Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Let's act like we're professional. All right, that's a great way to open the show. Yes, I am I'm without a light. I, I need to get a ring light. I know I need to get a ring light. All right, Alex is all loose and stuff here at the start of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Uh, he's got a World Series ring. He's getting a World Series ring. He's a big shot now, so he's all excited. So I, I, I would like to get to that. I wanted to ask that. Alex, yeah. you were a part of uh, the World Series parade. You were a part of the celebration because you work for the Braves. So before we even talk football, I, I got to ask, what the hell was last week like? Uh, it was a lot. Um, obviously, the schedule was busy. Obviously, we, we took it home on a Monday. Uh, Tuesday came into work late because it was a, a long after party uh, <laughs> that I don't remember much of. Sorry, Dad. Um, Tuesday was a, was a chill day. It came in late. Wednesday, Thursday sold quite a bit of season tickets. Obviously, the city of Atlanta has been Really, really excited about eventually getting that championship. It's been stolen from us a few times, the state of Georgia as a whole. So, uh, obviously, the state of Georgia is really excited. So, a lot of season tickets were sold Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, we had the parade, um, which, you know, had, had an on-field celebration as well. But then I left to go to Athens Friday night. So oh, my drove God. From Atlanta or just outside oh of God. Atlanta. I say <laughs> is that to Athens partied it up for two nights in Athens, went to the Georgia-Missouri game, and here oh, I am on a – what day is it? Monday? Today's Monday. Here I am. That sounds Today. like one long bender. Today it's is fun. Monday. Today is Monday. Yeah, I got um, Monday off too, so I, oh I've just God. been sitting at home just kind of trying to catch up on house chores since I haven't been home. Did, so the, wife, did the wife enjoy these festivities with you? All this oh, party? the wife has been all about it. She's had a great time. <laughs> she, did, she actually did not like it the night we uh, we won the World Series. She had to work that night. So I took a good friend of mine uh, to like the watch party we hosted because we won it in Houston. Is um, that another girl? You made it no, it's like a girl. It's, it, oh, no, okay. it's like it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, did you win any World Series rings this past week? I did not. I was too busy watching film and doing my okay. job. Sorry. Very disappointing. Um, well, I guess I was doing my job too, technically. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing your job. You were doing it better than me too. So. Yeah, right? I got a ring out of my job. Yeah, Ryan, you got to catch up to Alex over here, man. You need we, we need to get you a ring somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the Rams to hire me so I can win a Super Bowl ring this year. Okay, okay. Could happen. I'll, could I'll happen. go I'll go over to their building and talk to them. I'll drive over or there. Or the Giants. I'll go over to the Giants. I'll well, take up. Wait, the, it, doing a, a scouting job for the Rams get a ring that would, way. <laughs> would be the most useless scouting, like the most boring scouting job in the country. Because you, who are you gonna scout? They trade away all their damn picks. I am so tired of that misconception, Joseph. I'm so glad they still have. Do they have all their? They, oh, have they, all, they got a one. They like, have, have like a fifth nah, round pick. Nah, dude, they have a lot of comp picks. So I think they have a third okay. round comp, and then they have a fourth. I think they have a, two sixes maybe. And I keep telling everyone, man, 
the, the scouts jobs is on day three. So it does not matter if you have first round picks. Well, scout. that's, that's the argument for the, for the Rams. No, is the fact that because they bring in all these guys on expiring contracts or, you know, you know, one year left on the deal with these, these trades where they trade away their top draft picks they get them back in the compensatory picks. So, well, right. they do that. And then, I mean, and honestly, they win football games. well, they win football games, but it's like, you know, obviously you're going to talk about Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Matt Stafford and all those guys. But like, the team has done really well on day three with Cooper Cup from, uh, from Eastern Washington. Jordan Fuller, they they had John Johnson that was in the fourth round. Obviously, he's moved on now to the Cleveland Browns, but they do they do well in the later rounds, which is why scouting matters. So, yes. So maybe because of that, they're not looking for another scout. So that you might have missed your opportunity. Yeah, might have. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they have a big. Uh, I don't think they have a big uh, fund for uh, for scouts right now. So, <laughs> well, speaking of picking those guys up that are in the later rounds that turn out to be really quality players. Oh. Today we're talking about sleepers uh, that we've noticed so far this this draft cycle. For anyone who hasn't noticed, we're getting close to the end of the season. It's weird. It feels very strange. We're moving past that halfway point. There's really not a lot of time left to the regular season before we know it. It is going to be bowl season, and you're going to be sitting on your couch for the holidays watching bowl games, uh, yelling at your family members while they make dinner. But uh, before we get into those sleepers, though, I just want to tell you folks to make sure you head to Bet Online. If you missed out on betting on the Braves to win the uh, the World Series. You can still bet on basketball and football. College basketball starting up soon, so get in on that action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% bonus. Uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC. I just realized baseball postseason should not be in there. Thank you, Alex. Not you, Gilstrap. Talking about the Sopolis. Uh, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Um, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, guys, we're talking sleepers today, and you've got two each. We're going to dive a little deep and talk about these guys. I love that there is always a way to circle back to the NFL draft prospects universe of guys that came on the show. And here we are already. Ryan is picking Blake Freeland, the BYU offensive tackle, who I believe we ran a couple weeks ago or, or like one or two weeks ago. A lot of people enjoyed that interview. So I think it makes a lot of sense why you picked him because he's a big dude. He he's, was a quarterback, if I'm correct, a, a, a transition quarterback. Yeah, um, so the backstory was in high school, he was a quarterback, tight end, defensive end. And he, when he got to BYU, he began to transition to offensive tackle. And I know we're doing sleepers, which you're most, you're like, you kind of illustrated at the beginning. You're going to kind of think of like day three guys that maybe are a little better than what they're perceived to be. I'm going to make a big claim here on Blake Freeland. Um, and then I'm going to give a little backstory for him. Um, outside of just being a quarterback, tight end, turned offensive tackle. Blake Freeland, I believe, if he enters the draft, because he is a true junior, uh, technically, I guess, Richard sophomore with the extra year of eligibility, but like, okay, third-year player, I think he's a top 64 pick if he declares wow. for the 2022 NFL draft. I think he is a better football player than Brady Christensen, who went in the third round last year that came um, that played left tackle for BYU. This young man is listed at six foot eight, three hundred and five, and I think that he's every bit of that six foot eight. Might be six seven plus. 
He has a frame that he could easily carry, in my opinion, 320-plus pounds. He has a really nice frame. He's got long arms. This kid has the goods. To illustrate what type of athlete he is and in track and field, I always go back to track and field numbers because I love track and field numbers. He was a 160-plus discus thrower, a 64-foot shot putter, which are both fantastic numbers. And those are usually the numbers that you kind of see for like the elite offensive tackles. You see 60-plus shot putters. You see a discus thrower. But then to illustrate the flexibility, he was a 180-plus foot javelin thrower too because he was just such a talented athlete on the high school level. And this kid for me – explosive core strength, but the flexibility aspect too. He's one of the best pass blockers already in college football. There is obviously some work being a guy that has gained a substantial amount of weight in the, in the power department. He can definitely improve in that area, but I, I see it's developing. He's getting there. His body's filling out. He reminds me a lot of Colton Miller that came out of UCLA and Colton Miller was a lot guy for me. I learned a lesson on was not a Colton Miller guy was not. I was like, this guy is tall and athletic, but like he just it doesn't have a ton of power. His technique needs some work. Cole Miller's developed into one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I see a lot of Colton Miller here. I think the mm. uh, the talent is absolutely there. If Blake Friedland's not on your radars, I suggest you get him there quick. Because like I said, he might not be in the 2022 NFL draft, but I think this is a top 64 player if he chooses to declare. I really do. I think that the talent at the end of the day is going to be too much for some offensive line coaches and some coaches in general to pass up on. I think he's special potentially. No, I think you touched on him great. This is someone that uh, you tweeted about, what, a couple months ago maybe? Uh, yeah. It's been early in the season. Um, and you mistakenly didn't even realize he was draft eligible. So this is someone that <laughs> has really come on to the scene, transitioning from right tackle to left tackle uh, with with Christensen, who you you talked touched on, correct? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh Look, I'm with you. I like in the limited sample size I've seen of him from watching BYU live and just knowing that he's a name to watch out for. This guy's pretty freaky athletic. And I think you see that a lot in his body control as a puller in space. Uh, someone that can absolutely crack dudes uh, in the screen game or, you know, it swing pass scenarios where he gets out in space one on one, him and a defensive back, him and a uh, off ball linebacker. He will crack dudes, and you you touch you know well on his ability uh, as a pass blocker. Might be the best pass protector in college football at this stage, and this is someone that only has this, he's in his second year of playing experience at the collegiate level. So uh, this is someone to really, like you said, because he's kind of come on late, and this is someone you're talking about could be a top two round guy, and and I, I definitely understand why my limited viewing of him. And and definitely understand why you would view him, you know, higher than Brady Christensen. That's something that I can already see being the case for myself as well. Uh, someone that was taken in the third round. Yeah. Look, the discrepancy between where the media has him because his name's just not a name. And so I'm glad you're bringing his name up here in this show because this is someone that deserves to be in that you know top 100 at the very least. You know, uh, you know people to think of him to be in that top 100. So the fact that he just isn't a name that's being talked about at all maybe suggests that he might be another year behind, might be a 2023 guy, but this is someone going into the summer. If he does not declare for this year's draft, it's going to be at the top of the list uh, come next summer. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned that, Alex, because, I mean, it was funny. I was watching the BYU game, and I just I, – I, I just kept going to the left tackle because I was just like, that, that is a, a prototype body for left tackle position. And he was playing so well, man, and I just looked up his name on the roster, and I was just like, I think he might be listed as a sophomore on the roster, which was like where my – 
uh, misconception was mm-hmm. there. But I was just like, this Freeland kid's going to be special. Like, he's going to be special. And I put it on Twitter, and then someone asked me if he's draft eligible. I said, no, he's only a sophomore. And I didn't find anything about, like, the, you know, red shirt mm-hmm. three years or whatever. And then it turns out he is eligible. So uh, I, I personally think that maybe he's a guy that goes back just because I don't know where the perception is. But I do think that the talent is fully there to be that value to pick. Yeah, and it's interesting to to bring up a guy like that because Sleeper, I think, has a, a, a very wide spectrum for talking about them, but it, it's good to have somebody in there that's not really getting enough recognition that could end up being a, a, a riser if he does declare and if he is a part of this draft process and he gets tests and all that stuff, he could find himself getting selected in that range. Alex, the first guy that you picked, Danny Gray, who is a receiver for SMU. SMU has... Had a, a very strong season so far, playing in the athletic or the American Conference, rather. Uh, so far this year, forty-seven receptions, seven hundred and eighty yards, and nine touchdowns. A couple hundred plus yard games. What made you pick Gray uh, as somebody who you think is a sleeper? Yeah, I, I was going to go someone uh, like Jamison Williams from Alabama, but then realized I'm not an ESPN podcast and I'm not Mel Kuyper. <laughs> I actually want to look at some sleepers. So uh, someone that not a lot of people have heard of, and my goal going into this was I need to find two players that are not in the Ryzen Draft database because if they're not in that database because of how deep it is, I know I'm finding a real, real sleeper here. So first on the list, Danny Gray, little plug there to start us off. Little uh, wide receiver, SMU, six foot two listed, you know, just shy of 200 pounds, I'd say. Uh, someone that stood out to me, one, because SMU has found a lot of success as a team and wanted to look back and see why it is that they, you know, were undefeated as long as they were. Obviously, they've suffered their first loss to this point. And uh, big fan of their quarterback, the Oklahoma transfer, Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai, Tanner Mordecai, yeah, Tanner Mordecai yeah. is a good football player. Uh, but someone that really stood out, I knew Reggie Roberson. That's a name that we've been talking about for what feels like eight years. Uh, SMU wide receiver speedster, but Danny Gray is a leading target getter in that offense. And he's the second leading target getter in all of college football. So someone that definitely, you know, I had to go back and watch a little bit of, and, and in a limited sample size, this guy just catches the ball and he's a yak threat. He's, he's among the top Jameson Williams is the name I joked about a second ago, but Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, those are names that you think of at the top of your head as their ability after the catch for a number of reasons, speed being one and physicality with Traylon Burks uh, as well. But he's among those names in yard after catch per reception. And I think that's just a testament to this guy's freaky athleticism uh, and his ability to find open space as a ball carrier. So this is someone that in SMU's offense, the reason he gets all the targets he does is because they just want to get the ball in his hands because of, uh, you know, at the level of competition that SMU is playing week in and week out, when you're playing North Texas and Louisiana Tech and South Florida, the better athlete's going to win more times than not. And in this case, Danny Gray is at the top of the list as far as athleticism goes. So for me, this is someone you just got to continue to keep an eye on as SMU is probably going to have a, a good bowl game for at, you know, a program like SMU. He's going to find some, some good competition there uh, as someone that I had not heard of until midway through the season when I kept seeing his name creep up the list as far as uh, reception totals, target totals, uh, as well as, you know, the numbers he's been able to put up after the catch. And I, I think it's funny because, I mean, SMU's done a pretty good job of pumping out wide receivers make, uh, back to Porsche a couple years ago, James mm-hmm. Porsche. But obviously going into the year, 
you were pumped up about Reggie Roberson because he is a legit 4-3 athlete at wide receiver, and he's a guy that's been very productive when he's played. He, obviously, his season was cut short last year due to injury. He was having a phenomenal year before he got hurt. Roberson's kind of had a slow season, at least from a production standpoint. I don't know like if there's repercussions from the injuries or if it's just, you know, obviously the Danny Gray has just kind of ascended and the target chairs have just kind of been, you know, a little uh, mixed up a little more than they usually are. But I mean, right now, Danny Gray's the best receiver on SMU. He's at least, at least the most productive. And I think when you look at him, it's going to be an interesting um, conversation because Reggie Roberson does have a calling guard. He has that mm-hmm. speed aspect to him. Danny Gray to me is a guy that I feel like just does everything well, well, you know, like, I don't know if I would say, I, I think he's going to test pretty well, but I don't know if I would say like he's dynamic burner. I don't know if I would say he, I mean, he definitely doesn't have the size to be like a catch right. point dude, but like he has all those attributes you would look at and say, you know, he's a guy that's going to make a roster because he catches the football cleanly consistently and he does the little things. And I think that that's a, a good role for him moving forward is, is there's a comfort in what Danny Gray is. And I mean, at this point, Reggie Roberson, calling card but injuries Danny Gray squeaky clean consistent who goes higher that's a question I have because I, I mean before the season I would say it's Roberson easy but w- you know our NFL team is going to value the consistent understandable product that is Danny Gray over a higher ceiling but bigger question mark of Reggie Roberson I feel like there's a fantastic conversation there that not many people I've seen, at least on the Twitter space, talk about. Like, who is the guy that's going to be valued more? I think it's a interesting conversation, which SMU guy is going to come out on top in that conversation. Yeah, and to note with that, this is someone, you know, one more thing to note on Gray. This is someone that I think has returner ability at the next level as well. Someone that mm. hasn't been tasked with it as much in 2021 as he was in 2020 uh, as far as snap share as a kick returner, but this is someone, uh, that I think has that ability as someone that you trust on the back end there and has the athleticism and field vision as you see yards after the catch wise. For sure. So going on to the defensive side of the football, this actually worked pretty good the way that you guys ended up doing this. We got two offensive guys. We've got two defensive guys. We've got two linemen on opposite sides of the ball and then two skill position players. Ryan, you decided to go defensive lineman from Missouri. Isaiah McGuire, six foot four, two sixty six, And he has been really, really good for Missouri so far this year. What made you make that decision to go with McGuire? Yeah, I mean, it's very on brand that I, you know, got the important positions and Alex just picked the pretty boys that, you know, make plays, <laughs> which is funny. But, uh, <laughs> Ryan wanted the Maulers. <laughs> I really did, dude. But um, so McGuire, uh, Isaiah McGuire is a really interesting player. He's a redshirt sophomore to my recollection. recollection. The stats are a little misleading. He's a lot better than what his three and a half sacks show and nine tackles for loss, whatever he has somewhere in that ballpark. Like you said, Joe, he's 6'4", 266, 265, somewhere in that ballpark. Last year, he actually had a lot of flashes as a redshirt freshman, but he was much heavier. He was like 280 to 285, and he kind of played up and down the line of scrimmage a little bit. This year, they're playing him as a true defensive end all the time. And there is some flashes, man, where it is some some really intriguing stuff because he has, for me, a power profile that's going to work on the NFL level. It's just going to work. The first rep I saw of him this year on All-22 was against Kentucky, against Dari Rosenthal. If you And if you remember the offensive tackle show I did in the summer – 
Darry Rosenthal at the time was at LSU, and he was a guy that I was really excited about. I think that he has traits, and I think he's actually played pretty well in Kentucky so far, playing left tackle on the other side at Darian Kennard. But this kid hit the third step up the arc, got his feet pointed correctly, because I think there's a, a nice conversation here between reducing rush angles, because there's some guys, and we talk about them all the time, that are going to hit that outside track and they just have this speed and flexibility and they're going to be able to flip their hips and they create that angle. Some guys do not have that flexibility. I don't think McGuire does. Like I don't think he's a super bendy dude, but he gets his body positioned so well. He's able to get inside leverage on players, get into their chest and then use his powerful hands and his, and his physicality to create those rush angles. And he took Rosenthal to the woodshed on a rep early on in that game and he had a couple of other nice pressures in that game as well against what is quality offensive line. And I think that we've kind of seen him, his numbers not really hit a level that I think that they can just because Missouri's defense just hasn't been great. Like you are going to run the football nonstop against this team because they just can't stop. Hold on. Any. What was that? Who just made that let drop was something? It's on me. It's <laughs> crap out of me. Sorry, Ryan. I just was like, I couldn't we can't just move past that and not address whatever that loud noise was. I know. Sorry, I, I'm, Ryan. I'm sorry. I was trying to, I was because it was really rude that Alex did that while I was speaking. But my ADHD acted up. I was what, like, what was it? On. It was my was phone. It, it was on my desk. I had it, it propped. Loud. I had it propped up so I didn't have to move my eyes too far down and it slipped. I like looked away for a second. I thought Ryan was so excited to talk about McGuire. He like smacked the table. I'm in front sorry, of him. Ryan was on a tangent too. I'm, I interrupted. <laughs> I was. I was, uh, Alex, was looking, Alex was too busy looking at PFF grades and he got excited over there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holy crap! All right, so his his numbers have not quite ballooned to the degree that I think his talent would indicate. Because again, I think Missouri's defense has been pretty bad, especially down the stretch here. They're they can't stop the run at all. So teams are going to pass as much because why would they they they're getting you know five plus a clip on a on a missouri team that i think the linebacker unit has been really really down for that team the second level has been not great so his numbers aren't quite where they where they i think they can be but i'm telling you right now that i think if this kid goes back for a season he could be a top 100 pick but i think that if he de- chooses to declare and joe why is your screen so dark i can barely see you dude and everyone's so having bad. an adhd episode i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry it just really bothered me you look like you're well, batman for a second it it gets dark here now thanks to daylight savings it's five o'clock and it's dark and the lighting in my apartment is terrible okay. i do have my lamp right there i could probably turn that on but i'm not going to get up Okay, good. Um, so he could probably be McGuire. Probably could be a top 100 pick, I think, in the 2023 class if he chooses to go back and then take the next step. But if he does choose to declare, which he is draft eligible, I think this kid's going to be an early day three player, four to five, somewhere in that range, with traits, with a power profile to stick at the next level. I think that he has that, and I think that there is some starter traits to this type of football player. The question is. Does he gamble with that? If I was him, I would probably go back because, like, why would you settle for being a fourth to fifth rounder when you have top 100 potential? But for now, there's a lot of flashes for Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. And I think that he is also a little under um, overshadowed at times by Trajan. Um, what, what's Jeff Coat? No. What's what's the kid's name? You know what I'm talking about? The defensive, other defensive ends. I'm going to look it up. Stop, stop. Uh, 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 I forget. Okay. Number 18. I know he's number 18. I know his I'll first name up. is Trajan. Okay. You look it up. I know he's number 18. I know his first name is Trajan. 
And he is a talented football player as well. And I think that Isaiah McGuire is better. And I think that not many people talk about him as Isaiah McGuire. There's the end of the rant, finally. Wait, wait, wait. Almost have it. Almost have it. Jeff Coat. Where the Trajan. heck? Tra- Trajan Jeff Coat. You finally. Yes. Got it. All right. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, man. Well, my, so that up, Alex. as I know, as I, as I talked at the beginning of the show, I, I went to Athens this weekend. Obviously, Athens playing the Missouri Tigers. Look, obviously, Athens playing the Missouri Tigers. Obviously, Georgia playing the Missouri Tigers. And look, Georgia doesn't have too many weaknesses in their in you know in their in their roster right now as it is, and in their play, uh, looking like far and away the best team in college football. But one thing they struggled with against Missouri was running the football, and a lot has to be said about Isaiah McGuire and his role uh, as a power presence on that defensive line as someone that requires quite a number of double teams. I'm not going to say I sat here and watched him every play because I didn't. I was enjoying myself. But in, in times where I'm watching the line of scrimmage in the battle of the line of scrimmage, it's, it does appear that Isaiah McGuire was a focal point for that Georgia offensive line in making sure they had the numbers against him because he seems to be, uh, you know, you talked about Missouri's presence as a run defending team being as poorly as it is. If there's someone on that defensive line to watch out for as far as to stop the run, it's going to be Isaiah McGuire. So the 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 the, the looks that he has to get uh, as, a, as a run game coordinator at, for, for the University of Georgia, for him to take on that, uh, you know, that that presence that he does have, uh, it definitely opened up lanes for the second level defenders, you know, behind him to to limit what it was that Georgia was able to do through the run game. So um yeah, someone I haven't gotten too many eyes on. I saw him a little bit live. I know he's a name, number nine. Uh, he kind of stood out to me as a physical presence, being that he is 6'4", 265, and looks every bit of it. Looks like an NFL body. Um, I'm excited to get into his more as, you know, if Ryan has, um, you know, high regards for him. It's definitely someone to watch. So we've got one more player. And uh, coincidentally, we're, we're talking about the trends for you guys and how you ended up picking these sleepers. A- Alex has a, another smaller school guy, and this is probably the smallest school guy on on the list for today's show. You went with Tyson Anderson, safety from Toledo of all places. Uh, and so far this season in 2021, he has 24 total tackles. He uh, also has... No passes, defense, or any other recorded stats. I don't know if that's accurate. Mm-mm. They need to. No, it's need... accurate. Yeah, that is accurate. That's quite odd. You want to so know wait, why it's uh... accurate? They don't throw to him. Okay, there. I was going to say that makes sense. That makes sense because that's bizarre that he's got no stats. <laughs> no, Tyson Anderson. He's kind of that. What the NFL's going to, and what everyone wants to find the next. Everyone wants to find the next hybrid defender, that linebacker, strong safety, box safety, whatever you want to call it, corner, kind of can do it all. And and in a lot of ways, I think it's a little exaggerated how much we need to find the next one of this this mold. But I think Tyson Anderson, if you're going to find one on day three uh, in this year's class, it's going to come from Tyson Anderson. This is someone that, you know, at 6'2", 205, 210, someone that's put on bulk as uh, as he's been there at Toledo, just seems to be... Jesus! (laughs) (laughs) Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop propping my phone up here. Obviously, it doesn't stick. What is going on? <laughs> I, got, I got my notes on it. I don't know didn't, on dude, didn't, didn't the Braves give you like a phone stand or something? Man, Jesus. I have a phone stand. It's upstairs in my bedroom. I use it. It's a wireless charger one. I should just bring it down here. Dang, that's annoying. Okay, back. 
back onto it. Um, but this is someone that uh, I look. I, he hasn't put up the stats like you said. He hasn't been tested as much in the passing game. But this is someone that plays in the slot. Someone that plays in the box a lot. And from my my viewing of Tyson Anderson, someone that um, uh, you know when I do watch him there's a difference. You see a difference in the team's success defensively as far as their run game goes. This is someone that I think has a bigger impact in the run game when he's in the box versus out of the box. I know there's some context to that, obviously, that he's going to be the extra man more times than not in the box. And obviously a team's success defending the run is going when more guys are in the box is going to be uh, skewed. So it's a little bit of a skewed stat, but I just think that there's a big, big difference. And it's because his ability to work you know, through, you know, managed space through, um, you know, through traffic in the run game and, and work from sideline to sideline is really, really impressive. And this guy, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, gray at the top of the show who I had on the office side is probably not going to blow you out of the water testing or measurables or anything of that nature, but this is someone is going to have over 33 inch arms and he looks every bit of it watching him on tape. So Tyson Anderson is someone that, I think has more room to grow from a man coverage perspective. I think that's his biggest growing pain right now. And I think if you have a defensive uh, minded head coach and a defensive minded, uh, minded coaching staff and front office that wants to invest guys that they can develop because they have the physical traits, you talk about the speed, you talk about the length. This is someone that I can see being converted to cornerback. I kind of see that skill set, you know, when watching him, uh, you know, play and, and obviously his ability um, you know, in press man coverage in the slot has, you know, there's some things to work with the inconsistencies there. Yes. Uh, but he has the ball skills and it, you know, hasn't been tested this year, but in past years, uh, watch him has the ball skills and, and, you know, has the length and speed and size to play on the outside and kind of work that hybrid role. Yeah. Alex, you, you've had the perfect segue to my analysis of Tyson Anderson. I actually spoke to Ricky Saccone, who is the director of player personnel for Toledo before the season started. Okay. And we spent some time talking about Tyson. And because when you look at the blessed list, I think it was mm-hmm. Tyson Anderson is listed uh, verified at six foot two, 207 pounds, 33 wow. inch arms. Has a 79 and three quarter inch wingspan, which is absurd, almost an 80 inch wingspan. And he also ran a verified for scouts this spring at a 446. So, crap. Kid is an athlete. And my first question to, to, to Ricky was I see these measurables. I know I've seen him on film. He plays, like Alex kind of said, he's that box strong safety. Like they bring him down as an extra Mm -hmm. box defender. I asked him, have scouts asked about him playing corner? Because with that length and that speed, it makes sense. Like, at worst, sounds like a cover three heavy corner. Like, why wouldn't yeah. the Dallas Cowboys look at this kid and say, Seattle like, Seahawks, yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't they look at him and say, like, I could work with that. I could work with that. And I think from a tools perspective, everything is there for him. Um, I do think it's a little odd how Toledo chooses to deploy him because I know he has a big body and everything, but like right. he's a this is an athletic kid. Like, why aren't we doing a little bit more versatility stuff with him? Like, why is he playing on the roof a little bit more? Why is he playing in man-to-man coverage more? Like, why is he a, a de facto box safety? Why is he de facto second level defender? It's a little bit of an interesting conversation because I think that the tools are a- absolutely all there. And I think the one huge thing is like because I think this kid is gonna play in the senior bowl. I think that that's gonna mm-hmm. happen. Because this is a big thing, he is probably the best special teamer 
in oh, this class. Like, and I forgot to make it. What, 800 snaps, special teams, something like that? Something like that, man. He's He's been a gunner. He's been on all coverage units. Like, he's a core teamer. And at 6'2", 207 with 4'4 speed, easy to see why. So, especially for guys like Tyson that are going to go on day three because they're, like, they're not there as a football player, what's the sticking point for him? The sticking point is that he's going to be a core team special teamer. He's going to make a roster next year. Like there's no doubt in the world. Mm. He's going to make it. He's not, and he's not going to make the practice squad. He's going to be on a 53 man roster next year, just because of what he can do on special teams. There's no doubt in my mind. And then he has those tools. I think that next year could be a transitional period. Yep. Teams are going to be like, Hey, we're going to work with you as a corner or maybe playing a little bit more on the roof. And we're going to work fundamentally with you as a secondary player. But in the meantime, you are going to be our ace on special teams. I think that's what we're looking at with a guy like Tyson Anderson. Yeah, next week he'll cross over 800 career snaps in special teams. And like we're talking about here, which is you know so highly coveted, if you're going to be a, a late-round flyer kind of guy, if right. you can play special teams, stock up in, in that regard. So this is someone, like you said, going to stick on a roster early with the ability to develop into you know someone you play on you know everyday downs on defense. Traits matter. Traits matter. And, and I also, just to wrap up before we close out the show, I also remember everyone was talking about, and I think Nagy even was talking about it with uh, Devonta Smith last year and how, like, you know, he, he would play a lot of special teams in, in his career at Alabama. Like, that that's a guy who who went in the in the top 15. So that stuff's right. super important. It's going to be important for a guy like Anderson and 800 career snaps, especially. It's, it's freaking insane. Uh, so good for him. Folks, that's going to be it for this episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at Alex Gillstrap. Head to riseanddraft.com to get access to uh, the fantastic database that they have and also some really, really great content. Um, we'll talk to you soon, folks. Stay tuned for a fantastic Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.